Hello, Sinister Citizens, and welcome to Sinister Soup. This time I will use this voice for the entire introduction to please Clayton. We are a show that talks about genre fiction through the lens of ridiculous conversation, goofiness, things and stuff and such. As always, I am one of your co-hosts, Travis Vermullum. Uh, Clay Vermullum, and this is weird. It does not please me. I take back <laughs> any request <laughs> that I made for this to happen. You did this. I know. I know. All right. Well, welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, we have a good one. Uh, we're going to talk about a very new book um, and a very new author, which is kind of cool. Very fun. And we're also going to bring some culture, which I think is going to start right now. Yeah. What do you got? Uh, I've got Nukes Top 5. Oh, I love Nukes. Yeah, you know about Nukes. Everybody, you know, most people know about Nukes Top 5. So it's not like it's something I'm really bringing that you've never heard of today. But it's something that is a like a humorously large part of my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, my fiance and I love to watch Nukes Top 5, uh, especially for like the dumb ghost videos, um, which I call dumb because I'm really downplaying how much I want to believe in ghosts. <laughs> and every time I watch a Nukes Top 5, I always like, there's always that part of me that's battling that's like the part that's like, well, that's easy to fake. And the other part that's like, that looked pretty good. Ooh, that looked pretty real ghost. to me. Could be a real ghost. <laughs> Could be a real ghost right there. So I'm always kind of looking. I'm I'm looking at the internet every day to see if there's new nukes. And almost every night when Deanna gets home, she's like, is there new nukes? I'm like, no. And then we're sad. And that's all yeah. Uh, we have nothing else to watch. Nothing quite quite the same, you know? So I love Nukes Top 5. You should go check it out. I'll put a link in the description. Right on. Yeah, it's a fun show. I don't watch it regularly, but usually when Clayton and I are visiting home at the same time, he's like, you want to watch Nukes Top 5? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, I enjoy it a lot uh, because I also am fascinated by ghosts. I don't. I don't think I have much as much of that internal debate as you do maybe sometimes, but I do love to see the videos and see that. Uh, well, are you saying you don't believe in ghosts? Um, this is a totally, it could be a very long conversation. I don't know. I don't know. Wow. You know? I don't have a brother. <laughs> <laughs> I am, I am a skeptic, um, which is why I would die in the horror movie first. That's true. Yeah. Well, I don't have a YouTube channel or, surprise, surprise, a TikTok this time. Uh. I'm bringing you a delightful fan-made game from GM Binder, which is a sort of fan-sharing website for game masters. Mm. Um, there's a lot of different like character creation stuff on there, a bunch of, you know, map modules, uh, different stuff, but it's all fan-made and it's under... The fan content policy, which means it's not really endorsed by a lot of the stuff that they copy, and it's not like endorsed by, in this case, it's not endorsed by Warner Brothers or Wizard of the Coast. Even though it's not endorsed, this is one of the most fun kind of 
adaptations of Dungeons and Dragons 5 Eve I've ever played. It's called Wands and Wizards, and it is a Harry Potter 5th edition adaptation. And the author of it, I believe their username is Murfin44. They did so good in bringing the spellcasting classes to a sort of Wands and Wizards setting. Because D&D is definitely more of a sorcerer-type magic-heavy. Even the wizard themselves is sort of like a... Like, yeah, you have to have an arcane focus. But besides that, the magic doesn't really have a I-need-this-item-to-cast-it feeling when you're playing the game. Um, And that's definitely a part of Harry Potter. Uh, And they brought a lot of cool elements like they made different subclasses like you can be a technique caster you can be an intellect caster or you can be um i think the other one is like a a fighting caster uh willpower caster um and then they kind of adapted a lot of the the different spells to fit the spells of harry potter which is really cool there's an extensive table of uh like uh, Lohamora, and then in parentheses it'll say use 5e this spell basically like this is the same spell as Lohamora from the books so just use that when you're looking at it um so yeah it's really fun and but your wand gives you your background which is another element of harry potter that's cool because the core mm. and the length is like important in the books i mean i could go on about it for a while i i've played it once the game like so many D games do just kind of fizzled out i never got to finish the story i'd written but mm. it's super fun if you're a fan of both dungeons and dragons and harry the harry potter world uh wands and wizards is the best one i've found there's several out there but I perused through like four of them when I was trying to write the story, and this is the one I settled on because it is solid. I think uh, I would love to play that, by the way. Good. You want to run that sometime? Yeah, I have the story all done. Awesome. We should definitely do that. That would be great. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many sessions did it take? Uh, it can be a very a long one. I, I had a longer campaign planned that would take you through the the four years of school. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> What's the shorter version of the story then? Probably just like your first year. Okay. As as uh, first year students. Right on. Or, I don't know why I said four years of school, 12 years of school. It would take you through like the Harry Potter school. Obviously a lot of time skips, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would definitely like to check. I, I would love to play that. That sounds really fun. But yeah, I mean, it all, it all happened because I found a system that I could use and that's Wands and Wizards uh, on gm binder uh check Mm. it out murfin 44 i think it's free that sounds sweet well i'm definitely gonna check that out and you should too i'll put description i'll put links in the description (laughs) put descriptions in the links i will not do that no like link you to a pdf that describes it (laughs) (laughs) instead of linking you to the thing Link you to one of our descriptions of a game. Oh, <laughs> that'd be terrible. Uh, uh, we'd sell one of our descriptions of the game. It's your turn, dude. Okay, I got to try to do a more succinct description of forced entrollment. Yep. All right. So this is the main portion of our podcast. You know, we're gonna here's here's how it works. We are going to debate a film or book. We do a different one every week. 
and we are going to determine who defends and who attacks the book or film by rolling dice. The higher roll will attack, or the higher roll will defend, the lower roll will attack, regardless of how we actually feel. Before we do the rolling, we'll do a trivia question. Whoever asks the question has to try to ask something hard enough that the answerer cannot get it, because if they do, they get advantage, which means they get to roll two dice and take the one they prefer. And if you answer the question correctly, then you get the advantage, and you get to take the one you prefer. So that's how it works. Yeah. I think we're well on our way to becoming game show hosts. We're getting closer. We're getting closer. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We're getting closer, yes. I think someone uh, could have actually pieced together how to play it the last two times, you know, whereas all before that, it was like a rambling mess. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. All right. So you're you're telling us about Breach of Peace slash Rebels Creed. We're putting them together into one. What are we talking about this week? Yeah, so we've got the Lawful Times series by Daniel Green. Um, he's relatively new as an author, though he's got a very established YouTube presence. So this is Daniel's debut, though. Uh, it's called Breach of Peace. It's a novella, which is sort of a prologue to the rest of his Lawful Times series. And then he's released one novel in the Lawful Times series called Rebel's Creed. So we're going to be reviewing both of those today. Um, the story kind of throughout them both is it's an urban fantasy. The main characters in Breach of Peace are cops who are investigating a super grisly murder of a noble family. And they uh they they're looking for they're trying to solve the mystery of why the family was killed, who killed them. They suspect that it was this rebellion, which is kind of rising up against the local empire. So they suspect this rebellion and they're sort of following the trail of blood who murdered these people, who's committing these uh, atrocious crimes across the city all the way up to the top. And they end up running into the uh, what are they called? The anointed. Yes. Is that right? Run into a an anointed, which is basically a demigod that the Empire creates to govern its cities and provinces. Um, and then they're obviously in a lot of trouble as this anointed uh, literal demigod begins to hunt the precinct and try to quiet down everything they dig up throughout Breach of Peace, uh, lest it be revealed and the Empire be shown in a very bad light. Uh, for killing its own citizens. Um, so, anything I missed? No, I don't think so. Without spoiling or eliciting opinions, I think that's about as far as I can go. You kind of got a classic uh, detectives that won't stop asking questions. Another urban fantasy on the Sinister Sea. We're doing a lot of urban fantasy this season. Popular right now. That's the trend, kind of, yeah. Mm. All right. What do you got for me? All right. So in Rebels Creed, yeah, uh, when the Anointed shows up at Flip's house, um, right. and they're playing chess together, you got to that scene. Yes. Okay. So they're playing chess together. He offers her a drink. Was it coffee or tea? Tea. Well, all right. You get advantage. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I, I feel bad for getting that one so easy. I literally read that scene like six hours ago. Oh, seriously? <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that explains it. All right, well, you're going to win. So, 
Uh, yeah, I got. What'd you get? A three. Oh man, you really are rolling bad, man. <laughs> That's three weeks in a row. I've got sub ten. Not good. <laughs> All right, I got higher than that, obviously. Um, great. Here we go. I start again. This is three three weeks in a row. I know. This is what that. it felt like at the top of the show for you, huh? Yeah, it did. when we first oh started God. the show, it feels terrible. i wouldn't have given you so much crap about it if i knew how bad it felt three two one all right um i am a big daniel green fan uh his youtube channel is one of my favorites i he does like fantasy news and kind of updates his views on things going on in the fantasy world which is really cool um when his novella first came out i was like oh man I really don't want this to suck um, because he does critique a lot of fantasy work and he knows what he's talking about and I just wanted his story to be good. And I think it is. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say it's one of the best I've read all year. It's very much Breach of Peace and Rebels Creed are very much the first little stride, the first strides into the fantasy genre from a new author. Um, there are some pacing problems, but what I think Daniel Green has a firm grasp on is um, one thing he talks about loving all the time, and that's uh, his character work, particularly in his novella. The different detectives in that Precinct 7 are given a lot of personality and kind of little nuances. Their dialogue is pretty good. Um, and you start to kind of get the, the city and the world revealed through their eyes. Rebels Creed, he introduces a few new ones that I also think have uh, pretty decent dialogue, pretty decent uh, character development. And I think it's leading to something very well done. I also enjoy his overarching plot of this corrupt government um, and the how, how ingrained it is in society. Because I don't think he ever insults the intelligence of the little man, which can happen with stories like this, where it's like, oh, it just took one person to understand that they've had you under the thumb this whole time. <laughs> I think yeah. Daniel Green has a very realistic view of like, a lot of these people know that the government sucks, they just can't do anything about it because they're so powerful. Mm-hmm. And um, it's kind of like in Lies of Lacrimora with magicians of... Mm-hmm. Yeah, these magicians can just kill anybody and are corrupt as hell, but what are we going to do? Because they can kill anybody. <laughs> like, I really like that he has that plot line of the anointed and the government having kind of all this power. Um, and even the people who want to dissent can't. And the rebels are, are fighting with the little resources they have to just try and stay alive. Um, I think that's very realistic and doesn't happen all the time because a, a lot of the the stories you read with government plot lines like that are like chosen one. Oh, you got the chosen one leader. And now all of a sudden everyone understands that the world sucks. Um, and he doesn't do that. So I enjoyed that. Yeah. I mean, it's that or chicken little, right? Either way. I, I did not go into this as a Daniel green fan, you know, and I'm not going to say anything about his show. It's, it's not really my cup of tea, but it's also like, well done, you know, (laughs) I didn't like his writing style much. I felt like it was, it's, and you said this, maybe I felt it to a little bigger degree because I wasn't like rooting for the book in any way. I was reading it pretty objectively. 
and mm -hmm. it does feel like a first book it feels very basic and uh pretty surface level to me very like procedural cop i mean it happened it basically every cop uh story that isn't isn't like somehow breaking out of the mold is very firmly in the cop story mold every cop story kind of goes through the same process that this one did you know they start right on the crime scene i mean it's literally how true detective starts right <laughs> right on the crime scene grizzly murder mysterious circumstances we have a we have a bad cop who's a little <laughs> suspicious because he's he's clearly holding back information and then we have our good cop who's like always there for the boys and is working overtime and also did some dumb cop stuff earlier because he's a he's a real cop who catches any case and takes care of business and then you got your your uh pov character who's kind of shown us the world through her lens and i don't know it all felt pretty basic to me kind of honestly was a little bit bored by it because i'm not i'm not a cop show guy anyway and I'm also not a big like action film fan or film or action book fan, as you know. So mm -hmm. if I don't have a whole lot of substance up front and like a, a while to get to know the characters, and I understand it's a novella, but I've seen novellas who do this, so I don't want to hear that it can't be done. I'm just not going to be interested in the action scenes because there's no stakes for me, and the whole book felt that way. Yeah, um, I I don't disagree with the tr like cop tropes, but I think what what's unique about these cop tropes is and this kind of goes back to we just our Jurassic Park episode of it is it falls into some tropes but I think it creates newness in them by having a different voice to some of the characters um, like mm -hmm. I don't think any of the cops are really a good cop bad cop and you kind of have to like as you read through their character development you you get that sense so I think like all three of them, when that first scene happens, you automatically as a trope, like knowing these tropes, you're like, oh, good cop, bad cop, uh, main character. And then as you continue to read and the POVs change and kind of learn more about these characters, it's like, oh, so bad cop was actually not that bad and is one of the ones who's like actually helping a lot of the people on the right side of history. And good cop is also like a nice guy, but he's also very ingrained in this bad corrupt institution i did like that you know because i think it's it's very true to reality of and that's a good another thing i think daniel green's story has a firm pulse on how people are in reality some of the nicest people you're ever going to meet might be part of things that aren't very good you know and some of the biggest jerks i've met some i've done a lot of work in the nonprofit sector of people who gen genuinely do amazing social work sometimes not people i want to get a beer with <laughs> you know and I yeah think that's something that daniel green's story does i just feel like the characters are constantly just reactive i mean mm -hmm. i understand they're at big they're like in big they're in a big situation and they get dropped right in the middle of it but you don't get a lot of knowing really their motivations or anything. You really just see their reactions and like their instincts, in instinctual knee jerk reactions to all these things that are just happening to them the whole time. Everything's like happening to them. They aren't making things happen. Mm. And I think that's the sign of a, of a character that isn't fully developed. 
I can kind of see that. I think in Breach of Peace, maybe, but it's a setup. I think, yeah, there are some standalone novellas that have done it more efficiently, but this was never meant to be a standalone novella. And I, I, un- this- I understand that, but like, it is the first book of the series, dude. Yeah. Like you can say it's all set up, but like it's a book, not a not a twenty minute episode of a show. Like <laughs> it has to do its job and it didn't. I feel like it did. I feel like it was it was not meant to be as deep as Rebels Creed. I think it was meant to get you through these events that will set up the world. And I think it did its job in that. So maybe it is I think it's a bit more serial than than Rebels Creed and than hope than the rest of the series is intending to be. But I don't think it was trying not to be. I think it was trying to be a sort of serial airplane novel that was like, okay, here's where here's three of your lead characters and the, the trouble they get into and react to. And this is all going to play into the sequel of this. Yeah, I, I understand what it was trying to do. I just don't think it did it very well. I also like they're because they're doing these deaths like Samuel's death. Spoiler alert. Samuel dies. I guess you have to say spoiler alert first. Um, yeah. He dies and there's no stakes for it, you know? Like, we barely know him. It would have been one thing if they'd have built it up a little bit, but I just didn't really... I don't like when, when books or movies expect me to care about somebody just because of who they are in the story. Like, Clid's the character we learn a little bit about. We don't learn much about Samuel a little bit, but it's all through Clid's eyes. And... By the time he dies, I'm just like, I don't care. I, I I know his name's Samuel, and I know he's like old school cop. That's all I know about him. So go ahead and kill him. I don't care. I think um, through her eyes, you, you get a bit of a, his personality, though. A bit, but not enough for me to care that he dies. Mm-hmm. And it can mm-hmm. be done. Again, like, I mean, you just used the example of Locke Lamora, but like, I cared a lot when Bug died. Board game! And yeah, board game away! <laughs> Our game on a lake. All right. We're talking about another strategy game. Uh, this one is called Betrayal, and it's one of my personal favorite games. Uh, like Red Dragon Inn, Betrayal has lots of different expansions. You can play in a fantasy world. You can play in a horror world, all kinds of different worlds. The basic premise is you are adventurers or explorers depending on the genre you choose and you're exploring this area which is uh fraught with evil and danger and so in the in the uh, ba- in the the base version which is a horror world i'll just use that it's called betrayal on hill house so oh, you're yeah so you're exploring the hill house you've played this yes i played this i didn't oh. think i had played Listeners, I did not think I had played this, and Clayton was just going to take the helm on this one, but I, I have played Betrayal at House on, on House on the Hill. Yeah, it's a great game. So you're exploring a haunted mansion, obviously. There's also a D&D game where you're exploring a fantasy city and, and the sewers underneath it. Each turn, you expand out like one room, uh, and then whenever you enter the room, you either draw an event card or a curse card or an item card, and your character gets more powerful or bad things happen to the party. Once a certain amount of curses are drawn by all characters, then you enter the betrayal phase of the game, which is, it's usually, you know, seven to ten turns in. Once your characters have been beefed up a little bit, and then the game gets really interesting. And this is one of my favorite mechanics. It's 
It's the only game I've played that does it this way. But from the point where you reach your curse threshold, the party uh it all the in it and there's a million combinations but it all depends on like it's kind of like clue it's how you enter the what happened when you entered what room uh with what character all those things will determine the scenario and then there's a whole book of scenarios and you look up which one you triggered and then you play that scenario out and it splits the whole it splits the uh players up so say i enter room I enter the dank cellar and I run into a curse, but I also find a moldy trident. So I look up in the book, curse cellar, moldy trident, curse. And then I, I see that that triggers the slime thing scenario. So my character will become the slime thing. And then there would be a way for me to win the game from there on and a way for the rest of the players to win the game. And we have to split up in different rooms and read our individual instructions. Then we come back and play each other. So, yeah, it's an awesome game. Really cool, unique mechanic. Kind of complicated. You need a few people to play it, but it's really, really fun. Yeah, I also enjoy that um, aspect of, like, different endings to the story. It's a cool mechanic that I hadn't seen before. I've only played it once, and I had a, a lot of fun when I did. It's really fun. Um, the fantasy one's also fun. It's Wizards of the Coast, so it's like D&D themed. Mm-hmm. And the scenarios are awesome, if you're, especially if you're a geek for the particular genre you choose, because um, all the scenarios are based on like classic monsters in the horror one. Like One of my favorite ones is you can get the Dorian Gray one, and then there's like eight different mirrors that you place around the mansion. Dorian Gray has to get to them and destroy them. Or, or the characters have to get to them and destroy them, and Dorian Gray has to try to kill all the other characters. Mm-hmm. Now, Clay, what do you what do you actually think of Rebels Creed? Um, I mostly told the truth, although I I have to significantly soften, not soften, but um, justify everything I said. I guess maybe not justify. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Take <laughs> some of the edge off what I said. Uh, yeah. that I, I put there for the sake of the argument. I'm a writer, too. I've just released my first novella, uh, which is going to be in a, in a... And there will be a second book to be the sequel for it. So mm-hmm. I like this the choices that Daniel made in terms of publishing. I think he did a unique thing and something that could play to his favor. Maybe won't. Um, he picks up with a very action-heavy book, you know, mm-hmm. uh, to lead you down uh, into interest and and reading the rest of the series. And I think Rebels Cre- or uh, Breach of Peace is a perfectly good book. I, it's very <laughs> well written. You know, the the writing, the grammar, the s- sentence structure, the pacing, I think, is all pretty good for the most part. Uh, like you said, there's some pacing pacing things I'm not a huge fan of. It It is also like a first book, it, and you can kind of tell in a lot of ways that I mentioned earlier when I was arguing it. But I, I respect anybody who finishes a book and does it as well as Daniel did. Um, I think he did a really good job, and he clearly knows his fantasy. I mean, he's a student of the genre. He has been his entire life, and you can see that. Like He knows what makes a good fantasy with story tick, and he gets all that stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it's almost a little too mathematical is what I don't like about it. I agree. I mean, I'm, I'm gonna, I agree where I meet you in the middle. I don't think either book is a bad book. No, no, not by any means. They're both, both good, good books, reads. and I'd recommend reading them both. I mean, they were fun reads. I just 
not a whole lot of depth to him. I think I enjoyed Breach of Peace almost a little more, and for one reason. And mm. if I was if I had rolled lower, I would have gone into this. I don't love his decision to spend a quarter of a book on a dead character on a character we already know is dead mm-hmm. because I think in the last three quarters it take it took a lot of time away from Holden. I liked that story a lot. It should have been breach of peace. Yeah. I loved uh, his story. Uh, what's his name again? I read it a little Chap- while ago. Are you talking about Chapman? Chapman. Story? That story was great, but it's in the I totally it wrong should, place. It should have been in Breach of Peace, and I uh-huh. think that was really. Yeah, if Breach of Peace would have been a longer book dedicated to Clint and Chapman, and then they're gone. Um, well, I guess Clint's not gone, but um, more. Or they're less, mostly uh, like the Seventh Precinct's death ends Breach of Peace goes into Holden's story in Rebels Creed fully. I think that would have been that was my biggest problem with it is I really liked the beginning Mm -hmm. but then when we got to Holden and Mike Chapman was officially gone I was like oh I kind of want Chapman back. (laughs) Yeah and he he never comes back in any capacity. He's just gone from the story like all together. People barely even reference him from there on as I recall. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, he spends a solid like quarter of the book getting us really invested in this cool character. I mean, Chapman, I love that part of the story. Mm-hmm. I so you know, and it made me think like, oh, is there going to be something happening with Chapman? Like, thought he was yes, pretty yes. dead. Not dead? No, nope, he's dead. <laughs> no, he is. Oh. He is very dead, and he's he's just gone. And that quarter of the book should have been the start of Breach of Peace. I think too, like. This book has a lot of moments where I see it. I see like, oh, Dan, I'm like, Daniel, you're there. This is like, you're right on the cusp of great fantasy. Like mm-hmm. the, the, the scene you described where when when yeah. A.B. plays the chess game with Flip, I was like, this is awesome. Like it's yeah, so tense. Great dialogue, super tense. The, they're both magical and you can kind of feel that air of that fantasy power between the two of them but like flip understanding that even though he is powerful he's not powerful enough Mm -hmm. i really there's a few scenes in rebels creed that really have me like oh daniel you're gonna get there man Um, oh yeah he'll be there he's he's well on his way mm -hmm. great and that's where i think that's where i think i like breach of peace a little more is i think it was it was short and so short and kind of clipped that the pace was very consistent, whereas Rebels Creed, I didn't feel it was as consistent. It kind of was a bit kind of jouncy. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, but I think he did a good job. I mean, writing a book is hard. It's his first book, and for a first book, it's awesome. Like, definitely was a fun read. I encourage people to read it for sure. What do you yeah. want to rate it? Um, five. Five? Okay. I'd probably, I'd probably give it a four. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's an odd and even. So how about uh, roll a dice and no, <laughs> we have to debate it. Yeah, we have to debate it. So why why a four? Why are you giving it a four? Uh, just for all the reasons I said. I mean, I think it's pretty good, but I feel like I've qualified it now several times with, uh, as a first book. It's good as a first book. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I guess on a system of eight, four is the middle number. Four is a terrible. Four is like a six on a ten point scale or a seven. Four is like a six on a ten point scale. Yeah. With that in mind, 
I'll 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 also see. I'll agree with you. Um, it's a four out of eight. Um, yeah, that's where I'm putting it right in the middle because it's definitely not bad, but it's definitely not like great. Um, no, I encourage like people you to said, pick it's it on up. your way. Yeah, I encourage people to pick it up. I think the series is only going to improve. Just has a few issues, but a lot of cool scenes that I'm I can see the future of Daniel Green's writing if he continues on that trajectory. Being yeah, really he's certainly someone to keep an eye on. His show is awesome. Uh, if you like fantasy and want to immerse yourself in the fantasy publishing world, or if even fantasy shows and movies, Daniel Green's a great place to, to geek out about that stuff. I mean, that's his whole deal. Four out of eight for Rebels Creed slash Breach of Peace for kind of lumping them as, as the one story. First two books in the Lawful Times series uh, by Daniel B. Green. Check them out. Also, check out the links in the descriptions for all of our social medias, um, as well as the two things we hyped up for culture this week. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Until next week, I've been Clay Vermullen. And I've been Travis Vermullen. And we are both still those people. Goodbye. Bye.